in terms of a, a ready-made player who can come in and instantly make a difference to our attack, instantly improve our attack, then you know there's there's not many better options out there than than Raheem Sterling. I hope people in the comments don't come to me for saying this, but I do think he's probably the worst signing ever in the Premier League. When I talk about Conor Gallagher, I, I always say the same thing, that he's got everything that Thomas Tuchel wants from the play. Essentially a £100 million loan deal for Inter. They've had £100 million to send a player on loan to Chelsea for a season and then, then he goes back there. Inter Milan are laughing, laughing all the way to the bank. An upgrade on Antonio Rudiger, that's how highly I rate him. I think you know everyone's talking about the pace in Rudiger, the pace in Dickinson. In my opinion, we've gone one better than the pace in Rudiger. We've, we've upgraded Rudiger. Koulibaly, sorry, actually played a direct hand in more goals than Timo Werner in the league last season, which obviously isn't fantastic for Timo Werner. Hello, welcome to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. We're here today to preview Chelsea going into the 22-23 season. We've already done Liverpool, Spurs and Manchester City, so go back and check those podcasts out if you haven't done so already. We've also got Arsenal to come on Friday and then Manchester United for some reason the week after. Josh with me as always, and I'm delighted to welcome Simon from Cy and Dan Talk Chelsea. Simon, we'll get straight into it. Chelsea a team. I can never make head nor tail off. I, I, I can never work them out. And it, it feels a little bit like that this summer with them as well. Yeah, well, obviously it's different Different with the new ownership coming in. So we, we automatically were behind everyone else uh, in the transfer market. So things have been a little bit slower, a little bit more uncertain. Um, we were never sure about how we were going to operate in this window. But I think that this last week, things have really started stepping up and uh, the club are moving for their main targets. And it is... It's Tuchel that's, that's got the keys. Tuchel's in charge. He's get he's going to get his targets that he wants. Um, and to me, you know, that's a that's a really good good way to do it for the new owners. Coming late, um, already behind, so they're not going to get their recruitment team in place. They're not going to get their scouting system in place, and all of that's going to change down the line in the next you know few transfer windows. So right now, uh, giving Tuchel what he wants, it's, it's the best way to do it. And as you say, Chelsea, unpredictable in the market, but I think it's, it's very clear now how, how we are going to operate. You know, we're going to get our targets, we're going to spend the money on our targets, and then next summer, hopefully, it's all going to start leveling out and getting a more stable way of, of running things. As I say at the start of every podcast, you're a Manchester United fan, so you're kind of chasing all these teams down, trying to catch up with every team that we're previewing in, in this summer. How are you feeling about Chelsea? Uh, yeah, Simon said it was a slow start, obviously, at the start of the summer for obvious reasons. And I, I wasn't worried about them. But as a Chelsea fan, I would have probably been a bit worried watching other teams making all these signings. But yeah, the last week they've certainly clicked into gear. They're strengthening at the back, which is obviously massive for them because um, they obviously lost and are losing more defenders this summer. Um, I'm still a bit unsure about some parts of the team. I still think there's a lot of like players that, haven't really hit it off so it'll be interesting to see what happens there but I don't think a change of formation which seems to be the case going into the new season we'll probably talk about it later on in the show I think that could bring in the best out of some of the players but yeah it's slowly getting there for Chelsea. Let's start then with the transfer window assessment segment. So Raheem Sterling I mean we probably thought that he might leave Manchester City when the season ended I don't know whether you thought it would be Chelsea as his destination but how pleased are you with him coming through the door because that, that that's an unbelievable sign I think he'll do really well at Chelsea 
Yeah, I think the, the situation with Raheem Sterling, he's always been undervalued and, and underrated, I think, throughout his career. And he's continued to, you know, to play against adversity and people writing him off and, and lots of other issues that, you know, have been behind him. Um, and he's proven that England, he's proven at Man City that he, you know, he can produce the goods on the pitch and he does it week in, week out. Um, obviously last season he, he wasn't playing as much or wasn't such an important player at City as he had been throughout his career, but you've seen it, how important he is to City over the years and how important he's been to England. Um, it, he's a player that I think that Chelsea fans initially took some time to warm to. And like you say, I wasn't expecting him to, to come, to come to Chelsea at all. Um, it kind of accelerated out of nowhere. Um, and, and then, you know, when, when the signing happened, like, I was, I was initially, I had my reservations, but when you look into it, it's the quality that he brings, uh, the experience he brings, the leadership is, is something that for 45 million is, is unreal value in my opinion. Um, and he's got that X factor about him. I think that Chelsea attackers over the years and recently and, and in our current squad, we don't really have that player who can get the ball. Uh, take, you know, beat, beat a player or two just from a standing position. And Sterling does that. You know, we've got Timo Werner, who's got the pace. Um, we've got Callum hassan who's obviously got a lot of potential, a lot of quality, but he's been inconsistent. The same with Christian Pulisic, who's been very inconsistent over the, the last couple of years. And, you know, we're all expecting these things from them, but Sterling has already got that. He's proven that he's got that. He's going to come in. I don't think he's going to take any time to settle at all because he's used to the Premier League. He knows a few of the Chelsea boys already and he's going to come in and bang straight away. So I think in terms of a, a ready-made player who can come in and instantly make a difference to our attack, instantly improve our attack, then, you know, there's, there's not many better options out there than, than Raheem Sterling and his contractual situation only having a year left meant we could get him for an absolute bargain fee in, in my view. Um, so yeah, all in all, I mean, if you're going to rate a signing out of ten, I, I would easily say Sterling is a nine out of ten. I think if you reflect on Thomas Tuchel's time at Chelsea, he's obviously the fact that he's won the Champions League and he's been to a number of cup finals. I think it's all the more impressive when you consider that he's done that without really ever getting a tune out of any of his forwards, especially for like a prolonged period. I think between Lukaku, Havertz, Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi, uh, Ziyech and Werner, they scored 31 Premier League goals last season and obviously Lewandowski was someone that they were briefly linked with um, and he scored 35 goals on his own last season, so more than all those players combined. Uh, in the 2021 season, Jorginho was Chelsea's top goal scorer in the Premier League with seven goals um, and they were all from the penalty spot. Even last season, Mason Mount was Chelsea's top goal scorer and he only had 11 goals. So they really need someone that can bring those goals to the attack and I think as Sai si said, he's he brings that X factor to the team that they don't really have on a consistent basis. And I think that's going to be really important for Chelsea next season. But it'll also be interesting to, to see where he fits in what formation and who he plays alongside. Because um, obviously there's Havertz, who will probably be the leading number nine next season. As it looks like Chelsea aren't going to sign a striker. Um, and it's just who, who plays on the other side, which is probably a bit of a concern for me. I think if they had signed Rafinha, then that would have been unbelievable. Um, with Sterling on one side, Rafinha on the other. But yeah, it's just a bit up in the air, that right-hand side. Yeah, we'll come on to the best 11 later on in the show. Sterling as well, I've got to admit, I couldn't believe he was only 27. 
I thought he was a couple of years older than that. He's, he's, he's been around for so long and been playing Premier League football for such a long time. Now, I couldn't believe it when I, when I saw, that, saw that he was 27. I thought he was around Harry Kane's age, that, that them two had, had been around the same amount of time. But to only be 27, he's got a decent chance of, of breaking Premier League records for appearances, I would say, in the future. Simon, Conor Gallagher, we're all big fans of him on this show. We've raved about him previously through last season. He's back at Stamford Bridge. Thomas Tuchel's a big fan of his as well. With the look at perhaps maybe changing system for Chelsea this season, maybe they'll go for a 4-3-3, for example. Conor Gallagher could become a key player for Chelsea this campaign. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, we've had the one pre-season friendly over the weekend beating um, Club America 2-1. And Conor played in uh, in that game in the first half. And he was brilliant. He actually played in, in the sixth role, uh, in the double pivot. And a lot of people have said that he can't play that role. You know, he's got to be more advanced. He's, he's better as an 8 or a 10. And I, although I do agree with that, I think number eight is his very best position. I think as an option in the sixth role, I think he can do that as well. Um, and obviously as Chelsea set up at the moment in the 3-4-3, we use that double pivot with two um, number six centre midfielders, if you like, rather than advanced midfielders. And I think Connor can play in, in centre mid, midfield position or as a, as a winger in that system where Mason plays at the moment, Mason Mount. So he's got versatility as well. And... When I talk about Conor Gallagher, I, I always say the same thing, that he's got everything that Thomas Tuchel wants in the player. You can see from the targets that Tuchel's looking at, from the players that he picks, from the players he likes to work with, Gallagher has all of, all of that. He has the intensity, he has the work rate, the energy. He, you know, he's going to run for 90 minutes. He's not going to stop. And he's got that physicality and that fight, you know, that mentality that, that Tuchel really wants. And he's mentioned it. So many times last season in, in press conferences that he wants players with that fighting mentality and Gallagher ticks all of the boxes and that's before even talking about the ability and the quality that he does have on the ball. Another player I think is going to surprise a lot of people this season. He's got a lot more ability than he's, he's been given credit for. Um, there's a few Chelsea fans out there who, you know, they don't rate him technically as high as maybe Overchurch or a Jorginho, which is fair enough. You know, he's still young and he brings other aspects of the game to his own uh, attributes that he's already got. So I think he makes up for, for that in other areas of the pitch. But he's still good technically on the ball. Um, he, can, he can hit a pass, he can switch a ball, he can play a through ball. He's okay in taking the ball under, under pressure. So he can, he's got that press resistance about him as well. And I think he's just got, you know, Tuchel didn't even debate that he wants him in his squad this season because... He just brings so much versatility and flexibility to the Chelsea squad on the whole. Um, and yeah, like I say, he's going to be the player at the end of the game, the end of the 90 minutes, who's up chasing down a goal kick, even if we're 4 0 up. Um, and there aren't many players that, that bring you that. And that is so high, I think, for, for Thomas Tuchel on the list of things that he wants from, from his players. Yeah, Josh, he's different to the other central midfield options at Chelsea. Is now, I think, you know, he's pressing. The fact he'll actually recover the ball as well. And in, in an ageing mid, midfield, you know, we, we're going to come on to that as well later on in the show. Gallagher kind of freshens that area up without actually having to bring a new signing through the door. I think that's really important, that point as well, because Chelsea have obviously got a lot of issues to address, mainly in defence. Um, and the fact that Gallagher comes in with a full Premier League season under his belt at Palace... Um, I think that it just sort of acts as a new signing in itself. Um, and Tuchel actually wanted Gallagher to be in the squad, Chelsea squad last season, but he was convinced by the previous board that 
another loan spell away would do him good. And it obviously did. I mean, he did fade towards the end of last season. I don't think he scored or assisted in any of his last 12 matches, um, But which is fair enough when you see the amount of effort he puts in every game. And he started 33 games for Palace in the league last season. Um, but he, he chipped in with eight goals as well for Palace, which is as many as Kai Havertz scored in the Premier League last season. Um, and he got three assists. And I think crucially as well, I don't think staying at Chelsea, like, I don't think that hurts his ambitions to go to the World Cup at all. Like, p- people might think, oh, is he going to play that much? They've got Jorginho, Kovacic, Kante already in that those sort of roles. But they're just never fit enough to play all the games. I think Kante has only played 50% of the matches under Tuchel and Kovacic as well around that same mark. Um, so just having someone that's available week in, week out will be quite refreshing for Tuchel. And Gala's going to bring that as well as all the all the skills and all the traits that you guys have just mentioned there. He's... Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be I'm really looking forward to seeing this this season for him. I think he's gonna be a big player for Tuchel. Um and I think he, he can come in and make an impact straight away as well. I don't think there's any reason for them to be patient with him. I think twenty six man squad, I think it is, for the World Cup. The fact that he'll be playing games for a team like Chelsea, I would make him an absolute certainty to go to the to the World Cup. Now if he's playing any kind of football for Chelsea, he will be in that squad under Gareth Southgate. Moving on now, site to Kula Bali probably been at Napoli longer than everyone thought he would be, but he's finally left them and he's come to the Premier League at 31 years of age. What do you make of that signing? Obviously, I prefer centre-backs to be a bit older, a bit more bit more mature. If I was picking an ideal team, I, I always like experiencing my centre-halves. But at 31, how do you feel about him arriving at Chelsea? Yeah, I think I think in, in football in this day and age, I don't think um, age is, is really... It literally is. I know it's a cliche, but age is just a number. In football at, at the moment, you know, you've got players like Thiago Silva and Cristiano Ronaldo who just their lifestyle just keeps them fit, uh, keeps them in a perfect condition to, to continue playing football at the highest level. And Thiago Silva, you know, he's, he's, he's 38 now and he he's going on and I think he's going to play another, at least another few seasons at, at the top level. And he proved last season that, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, he was Chelsea's best player in my, in, in my eyes, or at least one of the top two or three. And I think players like that, they, they show that as long as you're looking after your body, uh, you know, you're eating the right things and you're training hard enough, um, you can continue playing at a top level like the Premier League, which we know is, is a very physical league to play in anyway. So I think Koulibaly is, is you know, the fact that he's 31 is, is no concern to me at all. Um, everything else outweighs that anyway. I think the fact that Chelsea have got him on a four-year deal is, is, is a quite a low-risk contract as well. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got the experience and he's got the quality and he's a player that Chelsea have tried to sign, I think, for the last two or three summers. And, and to finally get that man as a Chelsea fan is... is um, I, I can tell you every single Chelsea fan is really, really excited about Koulibaly finally arriving at, at the club. Um, very, we always thought it was an impossible deal to get done, but like I say, he's got the quality on the ball and he's an upgrade on Antonio Rudiger. That's how highly I rate him. I think, you know, everyone's talking about replacing Rudiger, replacing Christensen. In my opinion, we've gone one better than replacing Rudiger. We've, we've upgraded Rudiger and, and I rate Rudiger. I don't think he's, you know, I think he's a very good defender. So I think when you've got a player like Koulibaly coming in, it's not just a, a statement signing, um, they did it a few days after Sterling as well, which made everything a lot more, um, you know, a lot, it, it just built everything up a lot more. And, and the statement was, was huge to bring those two players in as the first two 
signings under the new Todd Bowley era at Chelsea and Koulibaly, I mean, the best word I can describe when he signed is absolutely buzzing. The fact that they've actually come in and they've actually got an upgrade on Rudiger, I think is pretty impressive going because I think many people would have considered Rudiger as one of the best defenders, certainly in the Premier League by the time he left Chelsea. Um, and now, now they've got someone in who's even better, uh, who brings the same sort of leadership qualities and is just an excellent signing. And also, I think he gives Tuchel that tactical flexibility that he can now go to a back back four, which he didn't feel he could um, last season with his with his with the options that he had. Uh, and I think with with Kulabali in that left centre back role in a back four, it will. One one of the problems I had with Chelsea last season was that they I found that they were too reliant on their wing backs in how they built up play and we saw that when Ben Chilwell got injured uh, obviously for quite a lot large parts of the season and Reese James had a bit of a spell out injured as well the sort of this it wasn't they just weren't anywhere near as effective and they really struggled to, to get going and scored the goals that they needed to win the games obviously and I think now that they can go to a back four that reduces the dependency on those wing backs um, and should hopefully get the best out of players like Ziyech if he stays Pulisic as well because they're just better suited to playing in like a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 formation um, and Koulibaly definitely enables Tuchel to do that and by the sounds of things Chelsea are going to try and sign at least one or one more centre-back as well to to really transform that defence and I think but Koulibaly is just the start of that and what a start to make because he is and has been one of the best defenders in Europe for a long long time um, and I thought the ship had sailed to be honest for him coming to the Premier League like you said it seemed like he'd been linked to the Premier League every summer for the last six or seven years uh, I didn't expect it to happen at all, to be honest, at this point. But now that he's through the door at Chelsea, it's a massive, massive signing for them. And I just, I would quite like to know what Rudiger was thinking when he saw them giving him the length of contract that they have, because it's obviously a massive departure from uh, the previous Chelsea board. They never really wanted to give out more than 12 months to players over 30. Uh, and obviously Rudiger's 29 and he wasn't given, or oh, the terms that were offered weren't as long as that for a contract. But yeah. It's a great signing for Tuchel and it's going to be great to see him finally be able to pivot to a back four, which I believe will be the case more often than not this season. He will be an upgrade on Rudiger. I liked Rudiger as well. I thought he had an excellent season last time around. It was brilliant under Tuchel actually for the, for the entire 18 months and under his tenure. But at times he's a bit, a bit too, I don't know what the word is, amped up Rudiger. I think I think Koulibaly will bring some, some calmness, but some presence to the Chelsea defence. I, I think that's an excellent signing. So I mean, the next player I'm going to ask you about is Romelu Lukaku, one of the players that annoyed me more than anybody else last season because he had an absolutely rank season. But the two times he played Aston Villa Football Club, he decided he'd go back to his normal self. What went wrong for him, except for against Aston Villa? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it started so well with Lukaku. Obviously, he had that, that game against Arsenal and, and Chelsea fans were singing his name again in the, in the stadium. And, you know, we all thought, yeah, he's back. He's, he's back for his, his unfinished business, which is what, he said that was his own words, his, his dream to come back to Chelsea and, and you know, and, and pick up where he left off the first time around. So I think it's, it's, it's simple to me. I mean, I could, I could speak about it all day, but it's the simple fact that Lukaku is a player who, who needs to feel wanted. He needs to feel important. And the fact that, in his words, Thomas Tuchel wasn't really setting up to play to Lukaku's strengths. Um, so and so all of a sudden, you know, he's not so important. And Tuchel was asking him to, you know, meet him somewhere in the middle, um, and, and try and play to how Tuchel's system is setting up. And Lukaku is is not the central piece to that. And all of a sudden, he's starting to get discontent. He goes and does the the interview with Sky Italy, which 
infuriated many Chelsea fans, um, including myself, when it takes a lot to, to get me angry about certain things, but even I was angry when he did that. Um, and the fact afterwards, you know, he, he kind of played that down a little bit. He didn't see that it was as bad as what everyone was saying it was. Um, when he's, he's literally talking about, you know, how much he misses Inter. Um, but the whole thing was just so daft, so daft. Even if he didn't intend it to come across as it did, the fact that he didn't think that it would be relayed in the way that it was and reported in the way that it was by various media outlets, which it obviously was going to be, and that's just gone over his head. And it's just, it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. And he, he then down tools, in my opinion. I think that he already had his mindset on leaving. At the end of the season, he wasn't going to be here. He was going to do all he can. I mean, I don't know whether the reports are true or whatever, but this is obviously a speculation at this point. Um, whether he was actually in, in contact with the, the manager of Inter and players there, et cetera, which is what's been reported by various uh, media outlets since then. So if he's doing that, he, his head is not at Chelsea anymore and he plays probably three quarters of the season with his head elsewhere. And once you've done that, you're, you're, it's game over, in my opinion. Um, he, he would come on, he'd make a few mistakes, the fans get on his back, his head drops, and that's it. And you could see, I could see from a, a very early point in the season that he wasn't going to last at Chelsea. And that was it. That was the story over, the comeback over, the fairy tale over. Um, Lukaku wasn't feeling important anymore at Chelsea. Um, Tuchel was not even picking him on some occasions. You know, he was largely having to come off the bench. Tuchel and his relationship had broken down completely. Um, and there was no way, there was no way back at all. I, I knew in my mind 100% that probably the majority of the season that Lukaku was going to leave and he was going to go back to Inverne. Funnily enough, it was the first deal that was done in this window. Uh, it was done very fast, which tells you that it was already being worked on uh, a long time before it actually happened. And I don't, I don't ever want to see Lukaku back in a Chelsea shirt. I know he's only on loan, but I cannot see him coming back. I don't think anyone at the club can. I don't think Lukaku or his people can see him coming back. I think in his mind, he's gone, he's left, he's staying at Inter. Um, you know, they'll get some kind of uh, obligation to buy in the next loan deal at the end of the season and he's, he's not coming back to Chelsea and I don't think there's one Chelsea fan who would even contemplate welcoming back to Chelsea ever again because he's, he's let the fans down um, and there was a lot of fans who supported him throughout and continue to support him and I think they, they're kind of feeling now that, that he's thrown that back in their face and personally I don't, I don't want him ever back at Chelsea. Lukaku wanted to be the system, he didn't want to be part of the system and I think that's why we didn't see the best of him at all. Like when he played against Arsenal in that first game back, I thought, oh, like I thought he was going to go on and absolutely destroy the season because he did look amazing in that game. And then it obviously just fell apart pretty sharpish after that. I've just got some a few stats to run through, which kind of just highlight the fact that he just wasn't there at Chelsea, wasn't involved. Eight goals in 26 games, obviously in the Premier League. Salah had more than that by the end of October. Uh, he had no assists throughout the whole season. Ben Foster got more than him. 0.1 tackles per 90, which made Ronaldo look like Kante. Um, 28 touches per game, which ranked 48th of all strikers in the division. So not involved at all, really. And he only won 0.5 fouls per 90 as well, which is half as half as many as half as few as many as he was winning at Inter as well. Sorry. So he was just he just wasn't involved. There was no chemistry. He had no chemistry with any of the Chelsea players, uh, which in part wasn't. You can't put the the blame at his shoes completely for that. I mean, he. 
he started the season well for those first few games. Uh, then he got injured. Then he had COVID. Then Chelsea, other Chelsea forwards got injured. Then they had COVID. So he never really had a chance to to really build any sort of um, chemistry with any of the guys like he had with Lautaro Martinez at Inter. But yeah, he he just was he just wasn't there. He he wasn't involved. He didn't really look like he wanted to move. To be honest, when he was on the pitch, it was all very um, very bad and sour by the end of it. And I, I hope people in the comments don't come for me. For, for saying this but I do think he's probably the worst signing ever in the Premier League just when you think about in the space of 12 months Chelsea have spent 100 million pounds on a player to loaning him out for just 7 million pounds back to the back to the other club they just signed him from uh, it's, it's just been an absolute disaster for us. and I think Tuchel's probably very happy he doesn't have to have that problem for this season well, if they're going to come for you, they'll probably come for me as well because I would agree with that. I think there's no way you can argue against that, in my opinion. The, the big loss, the big hit that's been taken from that transfer, it's pr pretty unforgivable, really, I would say. Yeah, it's, inc it's incredible as well that Chelsea wanted, well, so the reports say, Chelsea wanted a £10 million loan, loan fee for Lukaku, but Inter didn't think it, didn't said no, we don't want to pay that much. So someone there, they were happy to sell for £100 million 12 months ago. They didn't want to didn't want to pay 10 million pounds for this this 12 months on yeah it's it's, it's pretty awful for Lukaku. essentially a hundred million pound loan deal for Inter they've had a hundred million pound to send a player on loan to Chelsea for a season and then then he goes back there Inter Milan are laughing laughing all the way to the bank let's finish this segment then with the transfer grade I'm gonna let you two go first because I'm not sure what I want to say here Josh what transfer grade would you give Chelsea I don't know about, I might be being a bit harsh here um I feel like it's just been a even though I've said that Sterling and Koulibaly are great signings, I still think it's been a pretty satisfactory window so far for Chelsea. They needed defenders because they didn't have any. Uh, so they've obviously done well to get Koulibaly because he's obviously excellent. Um, and I do think he can be a game-changing transfer in terms of the, the formation that they can play, as I've already said. But I do still worry about the, the lack of out-and-out -out goal scorer. I mean, we'll, a couple of people uh, responded with some questions about this, which we'll come on to next. But... I think if you just look at the other strikers for the other teams, you've got Haaland at City, Salah at Liverpool, Kane and Son at Tottenham. They're all going to get at least 20 goals, I'd say, in the Premier League next season. I'm still not sure where that comes from for Chelsea, if they really want to challenge for the league title next season. So, yeah, I'm only going to give them a C, which I don't know if it's being harsh, but but there's still time in the window and you'd expect Chelsea to finish it strongly. But, yeah, only a C from me. It's a little bit harsh. I was teetering between a B minus and a, and a C plus but I think by the end of it end of the window I think it'll go up for Chelsea at the moment I will go for the for the C plus because the squad wise are kind of broke even I think they've got good players in in Sterling and Koulibaly but numbers wise I still think they're short and I think they need to need to get another defender through the door Simon I'm sure you're going to disagree with what we both said there no I actually had C written down um yeah no I did I've, I've got it C written down purely because I think yes we've done We've done really good business so far, but we haven't sold anyone yet. And we have to move players on, I think, as well. You know, that Hakim Ziyech is still hanging around. Barcelona want Azpilicueta and Marcus Alonso. You know, are we going to sell them? Um, there's another, you know, other players with contract issues that I think we can talk about later on the show, but Jorginho and, and Kante and a number of other players that, that I think that, you know, if we're going to sell them, then we need to be moving on with that now. Um, and then seeing who we need to replace. And there's also more players that we need to sign. Um, I think we need another attacker. Uh, I think we need a, another fullback if, if one of the two mentioned leaves. And I, I think, I personally think we still need a, another midfielder. 
um, a defensive midfielder. So I think that for Chelsea to get close to an A or an A, I think you still need to sign another three players. Um, you know, maybe I'm asking too much, but I think as it is now, yeah, we've replaced, we've replaced Rudiger. Um, and yes, we've replaced Lukaku sort of with Sterling. Well, you know, like, not really like for life, but an attacker for an attacker. So I think where we are now, yeah, I think it's a C, but in order to get an A, we need to, we need to do more, more business, um, both ways, outgoings and, and the rivals. Let's move on now to the concerns section of the podcast. Now, this question's coming from Godson Redeemer and PL Draftopia. Do Chelsea, Simon, need to sign a new striker this summer? Yeah, I've actually, I've recently tweeted about this and the, the news were, you know, with Armando Brozier coming this morning that West Ham are reportedly closing in on signing him on a permanent deal. Um, to me, that absolutely says that Chelsea need to go out and run another number nine because we don't have that profile in our squad. Um, so I completely share those concerns. And, you know, Brozier, I was hoping, would stay. And he does have that profile. He would be that number nine. Um, you know, he's, he's unproven. And, you know, he's still got a little bit of way to go in his development. He's still a young player. But I think just having that profile in our squad is needed because the league we play in is a physical league, it's a fast league. You need that number nine just as an option. You know, I'm not saying that but we need a number nine to come in and take away Kai Havertz minutes because Kai Havertz is a very good player, got a very good future and a, a real prospect. And, you know, we need to invest our energy in, in him. But he's not a nine um, and he struggles at times with the physicality. He's got better over last season, but, you know, he's not going to be a ball and defeat, back to goal kind of player. And I think sometimes against certain teams in the Premier League, you need that. And Chelsea don't have it. So, yeah, absolutely. Chelsea need to go and get, you know, that kind of profile. Who? I have no idea. I've been trying to write an article on that this morning and there's not many available options. But um, get the scouting team on it, get them out looking for, for a number nine because I think that is a profile that if we don't get uh, this summer, we will, we will definitely live to regret that, even if it's just as an option. Um, but, yeah, in answer to the question, 100% agree we need a number nine. Guardiola's shown in the last two seasons you don't necessarily need an out-and-out number nine goal scorer to, to do well. But the difference between Chelsea and Man City is Chelsea's forwards just haven't shown anywhere near the consistency that's required to, to carry that burden. Um, I think if you just take Timo Werner, for, for example, Koulibaly, Koulibaly sorry, actually played a direct hand in more goals than Timo Werner in the league last season, which obviously isn't fantastic for Timo Werner. And yet he only created eight key passes in the Premier League last season. That's Werner. Eight chances. That's all he created all season. Bruno Fernandes made more than that in one game, actually, against Villa, Dan. Um, but, yeah, they just, as all I'd say on that is that I do think they need an out-and-out goal scorer because I don't think the current forwards are consistent enough to carry that burden. Um, and the fact that Broder is looks like he's leaving maybe suggests that they are because it seems mental to me that they would let him go and not, Sign, sign another striker because that's obviously a, an option gone. Um, but yeah, I would be concerned as a Chelsea fan if they didn't. Simon Belial has asked, do you think Tuchel can shift to a back four without a new defensive midfielder? Is that a concern? I think he can, but only if he operates as a 4-2-2-2, as a which we did see it on a few occasions last season. Um, he's still got a double pivot in there. But I think without a, without a true defensive midfielder, someone who's going to you know, sit in front of a back four and, and gear up and, and monitor that, I don't think that he can go to 
to a, a 4-3-3 or a system that just has one DM because Kovacic can't do it, Jorginho can't do it, Kante can't do it. Um, I think Kante and, and Kovacic are both number eights, they're, they're not sitting defenders. Um, and I think Jorginho, although he does operate in that role, he's, you know, he's got the, the quality to play there, but he's not what I would call a traditional defensive midfielder. And I think that's what Chelsea need if they, if they really want to switch to a, a 4-3-3, which is the ideal formation that, that I personally want to see us head towards eventually. And, and Tuchel's mentioned it, uh, you know, in, in a few reports and interviews over the past. He, he said that the reason he doesn't play a back four is because Thiago Silva, he's a bit concerned about him playing in the four um, with his limitations. And he's also spoken about limitations with Jorginho um, using a, a back four system. So he knows it, but I think um, that's talk about it a lot and people probably get annoyed but we need a player like Declan Rice to, to come in if we really want to play a 4 but uh, you know as he can play a 4 2 as well and he's done that in, if he still uses double pivot so I think it's I think he will work on it and he probably will experiment with it but to truly go to a back forward do you think you need a DM to arrive? I think just one of the big issues for Tuchel is just the availability of the midfielders as I've said already on the show Kante is obviously far too injury prone these days to be able to rely on him. Kovacic as well does have a tendency to pick up quite long-term injuries. And as Simon said, it's just screaming out for Declan Rice. And I know Chelsea are obviously looking at other areas of the squad this summer and Declan Rice is going to cost too much money this summer. So it's probably not going to happen, but he started 139 of West Ham's last 152 games in the Premier League. Just having someone that's there week in, week out, you just can't, you can't undervalue that, that as just a trait in itself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be concerned that we're probably well. Chelsea are not probably going to strengthen that area of the pitch this this season, um, this summer. Sorry, but yeah, I think for it to be a, a success and a week in week out formation that Tuchel used is that's probably going to be where the limitation is for for him. Let's head into the best eleven section now, then, and I think I'm going to go four three three as well. Simon, are you going four three three? What he's got now, if we make no more signings, then I, I can only see us setting up in a 3-4-3 three, three because it's it gets the best of what we've currently got. So I would pick a 3-4-3 a three, three, uh, using, um, obviously, with the current personnel that, that Thomas Tuchel's got now. Um, I would go with Mendy in goal, obviously Trevor Chalaber, right centre-back, Thiago Silva in the middle, and then Kaladu Kulibay, the new guy, left centre-back. And then Rhys James, obviously, is the right wing-back, Ben Chill is the left wing-back, and then this might be a bit controversial to some. I know a lot of people, you know, rate Jorginho highly and, and I don't dislike him. I think he's a good player. But if we've got a fully fit midfield, then my two in there is always going to be Kovacic and Ngolo Kante. And then up top, I think you've got to have Mason Mount in there. You've got to have Raheem Sterling as the two wide men. And then Kai Havertz is going to be the, the, the guy in the middle for me. Um, obviously, as I said a minute ago, my preferred formation would be a 4-3-3. But at the moment... Unless we, unless we do sign any more players, as it stands, I think three four three is going to be the best way to go for, for Thomas Tuchel this season, purely for stability. We should really do a three four three as well, but I've actually switched it to a to a four three three. Um, but there are still uh, concerns within that, but as it's still just based on the highest rate of players for Chelsea. So we've got Mendy in goal, obviously, Rhys James right back, Ben Chilwell left back. We've got Koulibaly as the left centre back and Thiago Silva on the right, but obviously that's a concern as. Simon's mentioned that Tuchel isn't really that big on Thiago Silva in a back four at this point in his career. Um, the midfield is quite interesting. We've got 
Connor Gallagher in as one of the midfielders with Kovacic. Obviously, that's a problem there in terms of a lack of a natural defensive midfielder with Mason Mount just ahead of them both. Um, so there's no Jorginho or Kante there uh, from the who score perspective. And then up front, we've got Raheem Sterling on the left with Kai Havertz through the middle. And then as I said at the, the start of the show, I think what will be really interesting to see if they do move to a 4-3-3 is who plays on that right-hand side. Um, so who's got to have got Ziyech as the top rated player for that position um, based on Chelsea's stats last season. Uh, he, he may not even be at the club by the end of the summer, which obviously would make my this 11 look a bit silly perhaps, but I would be interested to see him in that role because I think that is his best position. That is the best role for him that we've just not been able to see. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, Mendy, Reese James, Thiago Silva, Koulibaly, Ben Chilwell, and then the midfielders Gallagher, Kovacic, and Mason Mount, and then Raheem Sterling on the left, Ziyech on the right, and Kai Havertz through the middle. Now we're going to move on to the player to watch section. We're all going to pick one player, and Josh, you'd be quite erratic with your picks so far for, for the other teams. Um, who are you picking out for Chelsea? Ross Barkley, Ruben Loftus Cheek. You've you picked out some <laughs> random players so far. It's actually um, Malang Sar. No, it's not really. No, uh, I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, we've spoken about him throughout the show, but I'm going to go with Conor Gallagher. I think. Like I said, the the fact that Chelsea can't keep their current midfielders fit, I think will just play into Conor Gallagher's hands perfectly and he'll be able to start quite a lot of games in the league this season. Um, and I, I also think that, as I mentioned, he did fade towards the end of last season for Palace, probably because he just played so much and he pours everything he has into every performance. And that probably won't be the case this season where he'll come in and out of the team. He should be fresh for longer in, in, and into the business end of the season. Um, he So based, last season... I looked at all of the new signings and where they ranked, and he was actually the eighth best rated new signing in the Premier League last season. He was right at the top for most of the season, but that that ending sort of cost him his positions. Um, and I just think Chelsea Chelsea fans love him already, I guess, already. Um, but I think we, they're going to absolutely just adore seeing him play. I think there's nothing better than watching a homegrown player with the tenacity and the work rate and the... Just, just wants to leave everything on the pitch. And I think that's what Conor Gallagher is going to be like for Chelsea. And I think they're going to love it. I have the same player. And um, yeah, for, for many of the same reasons, obviously, very well said. But yeah, I think Conor, because he's he is already loved by the Chelsea fans. I mean, if you saw Chelsea Twitter last season, every Conor Gallagher goal or good move, it was being shared everywhere amongst Chelsea Twitter. And he's a, he's a very exciting player to watch um, when he's on the pitch. As, as, as we say, you know, he's leaving everything out there. And he, he's the kind of player that that gives gives everything and he plays with his heart and he loves the club. And I think it's not just that, though. As I said at the start of the show, it's the quality that he's got. And I think he's going to surprise so many people with that as well. Um, you know, you can be an Olympic sprinter, but it doesn't mean to say you're going to be a good football player. Um, but Connor's got both of those aspects about him. He's got the work rate and he's got the quality. And I think people are, you know, going to, they're probably going to eat their words slightly. Um, some people on, on Connor this season. That's probably why he's got to be he's got to be under this section as as the guys to watch for, for the rest of the season. I was going to go Gallagher as well, but I'm not going to do that because both of you have. They make an outrageous Josh Wright show. I'm gonna, just going to go for Timo Werner because there's no other striker there. It's maybe. He, he used to be so good for Leipzig, such a good player to watch. I used to love watching Leipzig with him finishing off moves. I just think maybe if he can just get a couple of goals early on in the season, maybe he'll have a different type of season than he's had in the past for Chelsea. So I'll choose Timo Werner, but really, I wanted to go with Conor Gallagher as well. 
Next section is the expectation for the 22-23 season. Simon, if you had to predict where Chelsea were going to finish at the moment, what would you plump for? As of now, I think top four. I think we would be, we'd be, we'd be fighting for top four. I think, obviously, if we can add a few, few more players and, and we can push again for the top three place. But I think we've got to be realistic in our expectations this season, purely because of what everybody else around us is doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, at Tottenham over my shoulder and, and the business that they're doing with, with Conte at the helm is, is a scary prospect. They did all their business early. They've got some really good players coming in and I think they're going to be up there as well, challenging um, just as much as Chelsea will be. Uh, then you've got Manchester United, obviously got Ten Hag in there, new manager, new ideas. And I think he's, I rate him as a manager. I think he's going to get them challenging as well. So you've got them. And that's already on top of Liverpool and, and Man City uh, and other teams. And Arsenal as well, I think, are going to be there or thereabouts. So it's not really, uh, my prediction isn't really based on what Chelsea will do as such. It's more based on what others around us will be doing. And I think they're going to be pushing Chelsea as hard as they can. And there's going to be probably five or six clubs again that, that are going to be able to, to be doing at least as much as what Chelsea are doing. So... If, you know, any lapse of concentration, any dips in form, any inconsistencies, then other clubs are going to punish that. So, yeah, it does, you know, it's, it's going to be a very tough league again, like it was last season. I think Chelsea will be in the mix, um, but I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be pushing for top four and I'll be pleased if we get top four. Because I've already predicted my top three in the in the previous three shows, I'm going to have to go for Chelsea for fourth because I've, I've already picked teams to finish in the top three. So Chelsea are fourth in my eyes as it stands, but that could change if they get a couple of players in this window towards the end of it, perhaps. Josh, I mean, yours would be absolutely buzzing from what from what Simon said about Ten Hag, I'm imagining, but where, where are you going to go for Chelsea finishing? Uh, we've got them in at fourth as well. I just think Tottenham uh, have had such a great window, as we've said on our Tottenham preview. They've had such a great window, and I think, you just can't, you, with Conte as well, especially, I think that they've just got a perfect squad now to really go far this season. Maybe not be good enough to challenge City and Liverpool because they're already so far ahead. But I think third, I would, if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be disappointed if we didn't get third when you look at how Chelsea have done so far this summer. So, yeah, we've got Chelsea fourth. So that's Chelsea now previewed for the 22-23 season. Don't forget to go back and check out the Liverpool, Tottenham and Manchester City previews that we've done earlier on this month as well. They're well worth checking out. Some great stuff discussed in those podcasts. Thanks to Simon for joining us. Don't forget to go and subscribe to his channel as well if you haven't done so already. And please, please subscribe to Edge of the Box as well. If you do that, when you've got your post notifications on, you'll know exactly when our next video is coming out. So we've got Arsenal to do on Friday and then Manchester United to preview next week as well. So watch out for those videos. Thanks again to Simon. Thanks to Josh. Only one thing left to say. Stay safe.